1: Five six one six one six twenty. What are those people talking about? You got a deal. A deal is a deal. Stop whining about it. Live up to its obligations. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So very glad to have you with us. We are seeing play out in real time an interesting lesson in economics and in investing. One of the things is that the people tend to freak out when, when things happen. And, of course, we, we've seen over the course of the last couple months that after the, the government shut down and the COVID-19 panic, what you saw is the stock market took a huge Huge plunge. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was flirting with thirty thousand. It dropped down to twenty thousand, and people were watching their their nest eggs kind of diminish, money that they had invested, and there was this this aura of panic that, that's out there. And what you've seen over the course of the last couple weeks, culminating kind of today, is you've seen a, a rebound. Now, some people don't understand why the stock market's doing this. It's like, well, well, we, we've still got COVID nineteen, and we've still got the pandemic, and the last week or so, you've seen that the you know all the civil unrest, and yet the stock market keeps going up. Why is that? And it's because basically the stock market doesn't care about, you know, an individual event what they start to look at is at least the smart investors look at is, you know, where is the economy going? Does it seem like it is coming back and people believe it is coming back? It's also and today demonstrates clearly one of the reasons why people who operate out of, of a panic. Oh my gosh, I, I, I'm I going to panic. I'm going to get out of, of the stock market. I'm going to, I don't know, take all my money and put it in cash and put it under my bed. It's one of the reasons why you if you try to time the market, you, you, just, you just never know. Today, the stock market is up. The Dow Jones Industrials up 934 points. That's a 3.5% increase. The NASDAQ, up 205 points. That's over a 2% increase. Why is this happening? It's because earlier today, there was a, a surprise announcement that unemployment had fallen, had had dropped dramatically. That is lots and lots of people getting back to work. Now that's not to say that everybody's back to work and it's not to say that the economy doesn't have a long way to go, but the stock market is reacting to this surprise news that people didn't really see coming that the economy appears to be rebounding in a stronger fashion than ever. I bring this up because for people who panic or people who think, gee, I I know when I can get out of the market, well, if, if you had gotten out of the market and you hadn't gotten back in over the course of the last week or two, you've missed a lot of the rally. Now, maybe that rally is going to continue. You don't know. But when you take the money off the table, when you decide, okay, I'm going to put it under a bed, you just never know when you're going to see one of these spikes, and it's very difficult to know when to get back in. And if you were not fully invested in the market today, for example, you're missing this huge, huge run-up. I only bring this up to say, again, for people who panic one way or the other, a lot of times days like today demonstrate why as long as you're comfortable with your long-term strategy and your mixes, you're going to be okay. And today, again, the stock market right now up 934 points. Who knows where it's going to ultimately end up, but today is going to be a banner day. there, my irony detector it was going off. I was listening to our, our news broadcast at the top of the hour, and one of the people that was appearing on there was the... President of the Milwaukee Common Council, who was talking about how if if people want to go out and they want to engage in in protest over the course of the next couple of days, he thought that was completely to- fine, completely appropriate as long as you do it peacefully and, and by the way i, I don 't disagree with that we 've got a couple protest related topics obviously coming up in the near future but i i don 't don't disagree with that you know if, as long as people are able to behave if they want to go out and appear in large groups and have the mass gatherings and things of the like, okay, that they have an absolute right to do that. And, and that's been the general attitude of many elected officials. We're, we're not going to stop this. As long as people behave themselves, don't engage in property destruction, we're, we're going to allow them to form in large groups, and we're not going to criticize this. Now, my irony meter goes off, though. It was about a month ago that you started seeing some of the protests about people who were objecting to the safer-at-home restrictions, who thought that it was wrong for businesses to be shut down, thought that it was wrong for the government to not allow people to gather in churches or in large groups. And and remember that, you'd have the people that that went out to protest in in Madison. Now, the, the Madison police... Let people protest. They they didn't inform, they didn't give tickets to people who were out there engaging in the protest as long as there wasn't any other misbehavior. But remember all the outrage that there was from from the governor to the health secretary to all these various commentators, people who were just outraged that you would have people that would at a time of a pandemic they would be going and they would be out there and they would be demonstrating and, and didn't you see some of those people weren't wearing masks and they weren't adhering to social Distancing and they were too close, etc., etc., etc. Remember all that outrage and all that condemnation that went when you had the groups that were again protesting the safer at home orders? Oh, these people are irresponsible. It's going to lead to an increase. This is just terrible. Okay, well, that actually, that that did not happen. You didn't see the huge spike as a result of that. But isn't it interesting that now, you know, a month later, when you have people who are taking to the streets for a different cause, you have none of that commentary. All the criticism that was heaped on the people that got together and exa- engaged in the protests a month ago, that's out the window. Now you have all these elected officials and other commentators including public health people who are saying, well, you know, maybe this isn't going to be so bad anyways. It's just, again, it's the irony there. Some people would use the word hypocrisy. I don't think that's necessarily appropriate. But it's the irony alert here that when there is a protest that you agree with or you sympathize with, Well, then it's not a problem. Who cares about the fact that, you know, COVID-19 might be spread? Who cares about the fact that there's this mass gathering? Because obviously, you know, we have people who are, are protesting a cause that's dear to them. On the other hand, when it's a protest that, I don't know, maybe challenges some of the, the status quo thinking, when you've got the protest about, gee, I don't think we should have to be inclined to, to stay at home, then there's all the condemnation. My only point is you, you can't have it both ways, and I don't have any issue at all with the people who are encouraging peaceful protests now. It's just interesting to me that a lot of those people who are encouraging it now were the same people who condemned it a month ago. And the only thing that's different is, in one case, people thought the cause was worthwhile. In another case, they didn't agree with the cause. All right, when we come back, I, one of the questions I've been asking for a while is, is what? what is the end game of these protests? And one of the things that some people are pushing is defunding the police department. Now... Couple days ago, we discussed this in 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 a, in a brief segment because, well, I, I just thought it was a couple nut jobs out of Madison. This this idea of defunding the police department is starting to pick up a little steam. I will explain, and we will discuss in just a couple minutes. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.
0: Back for more. Here's
1: WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. <laughs> So very glad to have you with us on what is shaping up as a very nice Friday, looking forward to a very nice weekend. All right, one of the, the the various protests that have erupted over the course of, well, the last 10 days or so have been appropriately centered on the police misconduct in Minneapolis, people calling for charges against the police officers, that that has happened. Nevertheless, the protests have have continued. And a little bit later on, I want to talk about what the end game is. But one of the things that some protesters have been demanding is that police departments essentially be disbanded, defunded. Now, yesterday, the governor of our state, Tony Evers, came out and said, while he wants police departments to overhaul how they use force, he opposes slashing their funding. OK, that, that's that's good. Credit to Tony Evers. I, I, I think, you know, it was I you it's entirely possible that Governor Evers could have gone the other way. But he's on the right side of this. He says, no, we're, we're not going to defund the police department in Minneapolis. I'm looking at a story. City council members are considering seriously dismantling the police department and, quote unquote, rethinking public safety. And there are other groups as well. In Los Angeles, there's a push to, ca- uh, to cut the budget of the Los Angeles Police Force. Matter of fact, they're looking at taking $150 million out of the budget of the police force. That This goes on and on and on. What is interesting to me is that the, the, the idea of defunding the police has, has been out there for a while, but it's always been kind of the, the fringe whack job left. Who would say, "Okay, look, we want to view the police as an occupying force, and let's let's defund them, let's dissolve the police department, let's try to find alternatives Now, when they push these alternatives, uh, some people will say, "Look, you know you you just can't depend on on the police, and you know you should stop calling the police if you find somebody breaking into your garage and things like that but But that's always been kind of like I say the the whack job far left. the idea now I don't want to say it's mainstream because I, I don't think that's the case. But it's still being discussed now in, in more cities. The idea that, you know, we, we don't need police departments, that we uh, essentially need to work more on, I don't know, can't we get along, kumbaya, community justice sort of things, and, and let's not depend on the police to maintain law and order. Our number, eight five five six one is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What would a world without the police be? And, and I, I ask this in a serious fashion because the, the people that are pushing this, my, my response to them and my legitimate question is, are, are you crazy? And I don't know how else to say this because the, the reality is, if you want to point towards examples of bad cops or police misconduct, you you can find that. I I understand. In in any area where you're going to have large numbers of people who are employed, you are probably going to find some bad apples. I, I don't disagree with that. But the idea that people would seriously think that what we should do is eliminate police forces, defund police forces in the idea that maybe we can build this utopian society I think would be disastrous, and interestingly enough, to the extent that this movement comes out of urban areas, I think if you want to talk about something that's going to have incredibly great impact on crime-ridden areas already. Let's not have law enforcement. Let's not have the police. How could that possibly turn out well? Secondly, you want to look at one of the realities that's going to happen? You want to talk about the rise of vigilanteism. You know, that's just say, okay, you, you can't trust the police. You're not going to have the police out there supporting you. Can you imagine what that's going to be like if everybody decides that they're going to have to defend themselves and defend their property? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, what what do you think? I mean, this is starting to become, if not mainstream, at least it's something that's starting to be discussed outside of just the the dark fringes of the left-wing Internet. Let's start with Brian in Menominee Falls. Brian, you're on WTMJ.
2: Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I can't Mm -hmm. imagine a world without cops. It'll be chaos. It'll be like everybody will be getting vigilante justice. It'll turn into the Wild West. I mean, I live in Menominee Falls and it's close to Milwaukee and once in a while I have to call cops for noise. Can you imagine
3: mm-hmm.
2: not being able to call cops for something? It's horrible.
1: Well, well, right. And what what happens if you you know find somebody breaking into your garage or or breaking into your your home? I mean, who, who's going exactly. to? I mean, I you know who's who's going to enforce the law, or are we just supposed to say, well, okay, somebody's broken into your house, whatever? And I mean, you're talking about Menominee Falls, but look at where we have the serious crimes. I mean, typically it's in like inner city areas. That's where you have a disproportionate amount of of shootings and homicides and reckless drivings and things of the like. I mean, how, how are without police, what kind of world would we live in? Scary. It is. Thanks for the call. Mike on the northwest side. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. It is scary. <laughs> Mike. Hi.
2: Hi. Uh, good afternoon, Jeff. Yeah, Like I said before, it is scary. I mean, you need have police to have some presence of law. Uh, I'm just talking before about the uh, protesting now. If you have the peaceful protest, that's fine. But then, also oh, you got the looters and, uh, you know, the people that are breaking in stuff and robbing stuff and whatever, uh, who's going to win on that? The, it's not the peaceful protesters. Oh. The uh, looters are going to win on that. And reckless driving and everything else, who's going to do it? Uh, it's going to be the wild, wild west. And, uh, you know, people are going to get armed and uh, take care of it themselves, and it's going to be bad. Well, yeah
1: right now thanks for calling i mean that that's it. i mean if, if if this idea ever seriously gets any traction outside again the dark corners of the left-wing internet you, you know where you want to make an investment you you want you want to buy stock in the gun companies because what's going to happen is you're going to have pretty much well anybody that has something to protect their their reaction to this is going to be gosh if, if i don't have the police to protect me or to protect my family Or to protect the stuff that I own Yes, it's property I'm going to have to take matters into my own hands I mean, it really that That's the phrase I mean, Tony Evers was saying Okay, after we have the safer at home order We're going to have the wild, wild west Because of the pandemic No, we didn't have the wild, wild west there You want to talk about the wild, wild west You defund the police departments You pull large chunks of money Out of their budgets So that you can't have as many police officers On the street Then you're going to have of the Wild Wild West it's going to be like and I said this the other day you want to see what's going to happen you go watch the old movie Escape from New York where essentially they took all the criminal element they, they put them all in New York City and they built a giant fence around it that was the, the dystopian fantasy movie and, and that's it, it was lawless alright nobody wanted to be in that particular area no law abiding citizens no decent people wanted to be in that area because we need to have law and order now you can argue again? Do, do you need reforms and are there problems with policing? Well, sure, of course, there there are problems. Can you do better? Yes. Brian in West Allis. Brian, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
0: Hi, Jeff. Hi,
1: Brian.
3: My
0: solution,
2: solution to this would be is to do a tabletop exercise. Let the aldermen in the city of Milwaukee that are for defunding the police department, let them pick areas in their district and keep track of police calls for service for say a week and then let the citizens know how many calls the police be to and then what
1: are they Yeah, I'm sorry, Brian, your cell phone is breaking up, but yeah, actually, and this is, this is, it's not so much Milwaukee, but it's getting more steam in, in Madison, and there's all these groups that are pressuring, let's, let's defund the police department, and this has been going on for a while, but you make a very good point. Okay, let's track some of the communities where you have the police calls, and what the police calls are for, and then you say, okay, if, if we didn't have a police department to enforce the law, Who would be there when you have the sexual assaults? Who would be there when you have the shootings? Who would be there when you have the burglaries? Who would be there when they have the car thefts and all? Uh, And and then ask, okay, if you have a community that has really seriously defunded the police and doesn't have a large enough police presence to deal with the crime, number one, what's going to happen, places are going to be a magnet for criminals. That's number one. Number two, people who aren't criminals, what are they going to do? They're going to get the heck out. And, and again, I, I hear some of this stuff being talked about, and it does. I admit, it makes my head explode. Do we need to do better in improving police-community relations? Of course. Do do we have a long way to go? Of course. But a world without police? No thank you. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Welcome back to the program. So glad to have you with us. I I have a legitimate question. I, I think... Unlike perhaps some examples of, of alleged police brutality in, in the past, where there, there's always been a discussion, was the officer's response legitimate, things like that, in, in the case of the, the death of George Floyd, I think everybody, or, or everybody except out of like some weird corners of the Internet, understand and agree that what happened was, was wrong that it was a crime that was committed and that, that the people responsible for the crime need to be prosecuted, that there needs to be justice. That's why you get the, like, no justice, no peace. Well, okay, that the justice system is working. All four police officers were on, that were on the scene have been charged. Now, I, I, I said this yesterday. As a matter of fact, I sent out a, a tweet on it with some, like, a legal analysis that was in the Wall Street Journal. I, I don't know if they're going to be able to ultimately secure convictions against some of the officers who were on the scene. That, that's, that's a whole nother story, and I do wonder what will happen if any of those officers end up being acquitted down the road. But that's a discussion to have, you know, a few months from now. But right now, th- there is justice. The, the people who were responsible for that offense, for that, that, the death, have in fact been charged. So the, the protests now are about, I guess, larger issues. It, it's not just about what happened in Minneapolis, but it's about, I don't know, concerns, I guess, widespread with, with police abuse in general, I guess. Um, but my question is, now that we've had protests for, well, depending on which community we're talking about, seven days, eight days, nine days, ten days in some cases, many of the protests are, in fact, peaceful. But at the same time, a a lot aren't. Um, You know, you have looking at a story out of Portland, and you know, Portland, which is kind of a protest haven. I mean, Portland has had violent protests night after night. You know, in Madison, things have calmed down a little bit. But you know, you had you had protesters who were looting. You had people who were destroying stores, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Around here in Milwaukee. In general, I think the protesters have been very, very peaceful. I think the police have, as a general rule, taken a very responsible approach of, of not provoking the protesters and, and vice versa. There have been some incidences, but, you know, that's going to happen anytime you have these different situations. But as we're looking forward, the, the, the plan, I think, is that there's going to be you know more protests across the country tonight, which is Friday, Saturday night, Sunday night, perhaps into next week. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is a serious question. What do you think the end game here is? When when do the protests end? Is there going to be an end point, or is this going to be something that goes on for the next week? The next two weeks, the next month, the next two months, eight five five six one six one six twenty. That that's the accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean how how does this stop? And again, I, I ask that question sincerely because the the officers accused of misconduct have been have been charged. They're not going to go to trial, they're not going to be sentenced for for months and months. So that's kind of off the table. In the first segment of the program we, we talked about how some people you know, want to have police departments disbanded? That that is, a, as a practical matter, isn't going to happen. So, is is this the new normal for for the entire summer? I mean, as long as the weather is warm, are are we going to have protest marches day after day after day? What what at what point does it end? Do people simply get get tired? When do we have people stop taking to the streets? I'm a child of the 70s. I mean, I remember in the 60s the, the protests against the Vietnam War. But, but that had a, a purpose. Okay, we, we want to get America. We want to bring the troops home. We want to get this country out of, of Vietnam. There, there was a goal. All right, what is the goal and how do we accomplish it? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What's the end game? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 5616-1620, six, one, six, one, six, that's the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I think last week I, I posed a variation of this question. I had a number of people say, okay, the protests end when, when all the police officers in Minneapolis get charged. Well, I was kind of skeptical, and I, that skepticism has proved correct. Minneapolis police officers have all been charged, and I don't see an end to the protests. Here's some text before we go to the calls. Jeff, the protests will fizzle out eventually, but they'll erupt even bigger next time a police officer kills someone. Want no more riots, demand more, better oversight of the police. Another text. Jeff, it ends when we start to see some actual change, not just talk, action. And I guess my my question is, what does that mean? I mean, I I, I understand the phrase, we want actual change. What what does that mean? Um, You know, all right, Jeff. The more news coverage you give the protesters, the more protests there will be. Well, there is that school of thought that says that you know, if there weren't TV cameras that they're out there documenting every move, people and they knew that they weren't going to be on the five o'clock news, people wouldn't be out in as many numbers. I don't know if that's true or not. But what 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 is the end game? Let's start with Vincent on the Northwest Side. Vincent, always a voice of reason. Good afternoon.
4: Good afternoon, Jeff. Um I like to say I don't think the protesters at this point don't even know what the in game end game is. I think the problem is is they lack focus. When you look, when I've looked at some of the interviews from some of the protesters, they're all over the map from from reparations to uh, police reform to basically uh, uh, overthrowing the government. So 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 they're not focused on one thing. Back in the '60s, like you were saying. Uh, people focused on, you know, the the war in Vietnam, or or uh, or, or civil uh, rights, We're the or, civil
1: uh, rights thing. We want we want voting, exactly. we want an end to Jim Crow, all those things. Absolutely, yeah.
4: Exactly. So, and also, they don't understand that change is not a not a sprint; it's a marathon. And so, you have to be able to one focus on what you want, and then try to try to create change in that in that particular particular environment or, or a particular area you want to focus on right now they're all over the map and and so no i i don't understand uh i don't i don't see when it's going to change when it's going to stop and i don't think they know when it's going to stop
1: yeah so you think this could go i mean i you, you could this go on for i mean the, the demonstrations and the marches for a few more weeks maybe most of the summer i mean is that possible
4: yes yeah, possible i i think one 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 thing that fuses a lot of these folks are out of jobs and and <laughs> And, and, and it's really nothing to do for the summer. So, so March yeah. is probably some of the things that keep, keep them occupied. But the fact is, I think this can go on for a while, especially if you keep having incidences that, you know, seeing police officers abuse
1: individuals. Yeah. No, thanks for the call, Vince. And I, I, I agree. And, and by the way, I, I just I, I don't mean to minimize. I want to be real clear here. I, I'm not minimizing the, the, the legitimate grievances of the people who are taking to the streets to protest. But I, I think when you say people don't have anything to do, I, I, let me expand on that. I, I think there is something I think there's something to that because as a matter of fact I was reading a story it was either the New York Times or the Washington Post today. I read those so you don't have to. But the the, the whole idea was that we, we have been cooped up you know people have have been you, we haven't had things to do we we 've not been allowed to leave our houses for the last you know couple months, so you have all, all these people who are going and you know and people are just just sir crazy you know that you 've got that quarantine fever and and you're you're looking to get out and you know you're you're looking to express yourself and then you have this come along, and you know the the idea is you've got the two things coming together and so okay look we we've got we 've got this cause we 're legitimately upset with you know what happened, and you know we need to have a societal change and we we 're just we 're angry that we 've been you know cooped up, so boom, we take to the streets but i I agree with you there's i don 't see this focus you know and I, again you you talk about the, the, I hear this thing saying we we want actual change well what what is what does that mean and and what is the goal and i don 't know that anybody has has an answer to What people exactly are protesting? Matt in Waukesha. Matt, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
2: Yeah, you just stole a little bit of my thunder. That was kind of the point I was going to make. Vincent touched on it, and you took off on it. I think think some of these protests started as legitimate things. And people just joined in because they had nothing to do. You've got businesses closed, so people aren't working. You've got colleges closed, so people aren't going to school. It's just I don't think any of them really know what they're out there for. And to touch on your earlier subject, um, disbanding police departments is probably nuts, but they should probably take a look at qualified immunity.
1: Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Qualified immunity, of course, and that's a movement where you know police officers would be liable for lawsuits if they exceeded their authority and things like that. Getting a number of texts on this, Jeff. Um, th- this isn't going to end when you see 75-year-old men being pushed to the ground. That's as a matter of fact. If you follow me on Twitter and you haven't seen this video, that's uh, that happened in Buffalo. I think it was yesterday. I've got I've got the video that's up there. When women protesters, this is the text, are being kicked while sitting. It ends when legislation starts. Starts being passed when new training practices are passed. This is going to be going on for a long time, um, Jeff. I'm not sure what the end game is at this point. Are protesters looking for a guilty verdict in the trial of those four officers? I don't know that this will ever make it into a, a courtroom. Um, let's see, uh, Jeff. The protests will stop when the media stops showing up to cover them. Protesters love attention, and when they don't receive it, they move on to something else. Jeff, the end game for these protests ends when the money runs out that is funding this. Um, Okay, well, I I guess that's it. Jeff, the end game is convictions. If you look historically at these issues, you don't get convictions. I don't care that they were arrested. I care that they get convicted. Um, The end game is system reform, more accountability for the police. Well, Okay, well, if that's the case, I mean, the Minnesota Attorney General is already saying, and I just I caution people about this. He, he's saying it, this is going to be a difficult prosecution, and we're not going to be ready to try this case for months and months. And as I have said before, don't be surprised if once this gets to court, if if people think that the prosecution against these four Minneapolis police officers is a slam dunk—that's all four of them—I'm here to tell you it, it's it's not because the the Do do you agree that – does everybody look at that and say, hey, those police officers should have intervened. They should have stopped that one guy from leaning on that man's neck for as long. Everybody agrees with that. But the question is, does that become a crime? I'm just here to say, I'm not making any prediction on the outcome, but if if the idea is – know we're going to protest for months and months and months and months and months until this matter goes to trial well i mean get ready for a long summer get ready for a long fall get ready for a tough winter eight five five six one six one six twenty uh steve in brookfield steve you're on wtmj
2: yeah hey jeff um i agree I with everything you said I'm, I'm kind of like thinking okay there's body cams there's accountability of course there's always everybody can learn and be trained But at some point, you know, you also have on the flip side now these mayors that are defunding the police. They're demoralizing the police. So at some point, what would happen if every officer said, you know what, maybe you guys are right. Maybe you communities can can control yourselves. We're not going to come to work today.
1: Well, I think you'd, you'd have anarchy. <laughs> thanks for the call, Steve. Okay. I mean, you, you, you would, no, no, I, you, thanks, I appreciate it. You, you would have anarchy. Now, again, that's, a matter of fact, that's, if you, if you want an example of that, I'll, I'll tell you where you saw that. After, in Baltimore, After the the Freddie Gray case, Freddie Gray was the the man who died in police custody in the backseat of the squad car, and the district attorney or whatever they call that in, in Baltimore ended up charging a whole bunch of police officers. They weren't able to secure any convictions. But one of the things that happened after that is the police decided to kind of take a step back. They said, look, okay, we're, we're, we're not going to put ourselves, we're not going to do more than we absolutely have to do. And the number of arrests went down dramatically. And you know what? The number of crimes went up dramatically as well. I, I guess I, I, I raise this because I, I don't know where we go. And, and I always, on this show, I, I always try to be about, okay, what's the solution and, and where do we, we see things? Is it a, is it a piece of legislation is it i don't know systematic change and, and again what what does that mean i would be fascinated to see some of the tv reporters that are out there covering the, these various protests actually take a camera and go up to somebody and says and say what what do you want to have happen? well we want justice o- okay Tell me, now, that's, what what in your mind is justice? What, what do you want to see happen? Well, we we want to end racism in society. Oh, okay, well, I, I, tell me concretely how do you measure that, and and what's what is going to happen? How do we bring about the, the, this change that people want to talk about? And, you know, once you start getting concrete ideas, you can at least de- debate it. You know, one of our callers was saying, well, I, I think we need to end qualified I- immunity. And I, I think there's some legislators who, who believe in that. Okay, that, that's fine. That, that's it. If, if, let, let's have We can have that discussion. But what is the end game? And, and how do we stop this? Because, like I say, in Milwaukee... The confrontations and stuff have been largely peaceful. I will tell you though, there, there's other there's other cities across this country where that is not the case. And I, I guess, yeah, you want to see the protest go on, and you appreciate peaceful protest. But when it uh, degenerates into violence, you, you can't allow that to happen. Uh, from what I'm told, it's going to be an absolute mess in D.C. Uh, over the course of, of the weekend, you've got a hot almost summer weekend, you're going to have lots of people that are going to be there. And, and I think, you know, D.C. might be one of the spots for for unrest. A number of the other areas have kind of cooled down a little. Portland, of all places, is having problems right now with, again, not the peaceful protests, but the stuff that's gotten out of control. But when you watch the news accounts and when you hear the reports, and if you participate in the protests, that, that's fine, go with God. But, I mean, the question I think people need to start focusing on is, where do we go from here? What What is the objective? What is the goal? Is there a quantifiable goal? Can you agree on it? And then how, as a society, do we move towards that? Just saying. Back with more in just a couple minutes. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.
0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is The Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff
1: Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. I want to share this story. I, I had the freakiest experience this morning, and I'm still, matter, matter of fact, it, it did kind of shake me up a little bit. I just want to share it because it, it's I, I haven't had anything like this happen in a long, long time. If you are a regular listener to this program, you know that I, I made a decision when I started doing a radio show that I was going to invite you into my into my personal life to an extent, and so we. I talk about my my wife. I talk about my dog. I talk about my friends and things that that we do to an extent. They sometimes my friends kind of roll their eyes and they go, "Oh my gosh, you know, you, just, you know, is, is this going to end up on the radio?" And I, I always say that you know, in, in order to try to do an entertaining radio show, it's. Uh, people will say, did that actually happen? And I say, well, sometimes they're kind of like, you know, semi-true stories. Uh, they're, they're, there's grains of truth. Sometimes you kind of like work around the edges to make them more entertaining. And sometimes there's, I'm telling stories from years ago. Uh, there Maybe there's just some stuff that I've forgotten. But, but you know, you tell the stories. So in any event, if you're a regular listeners program, you know that there's a couple people in my life I am extremely close to. My, my brother and I are very, very close. My brother's my best friend. Friend, and then I have a, a, a somebody who is in my life, who is a buddy of mine, who is like a, a brother. We talk about him from time to time. So, we'll, for today's purposes, we'll call him Bob. Okay. So I get this email today in August. This this morning, at like nine thirty in the morning. Now, I had actually talked to Bob. Yesterday, I mean, or at least we exchanged emails talking about how we were going to go get a beer when these, these beer gardens start to to open up, and apparently that's going to happen over the weekend. So I get an email out of the clear blue today, uh, Jeff. In August of 2014, my wife and I came to visit Bob. In Milwaukee, he wanted us to meet you, and so after your broadcast from the Wisconsin State Fair, we all had a drink together. It was a delightful afternoon. I've known Bob since the late 70s or early 80s, um, you know, when, when he worked, where he worked, as I had been there before he joined. Anyway, I know how close you were with Bob, and I am so sorry for your loss. Now, I'm reading this this morning at 930. Anyway, I know how close you were with Bob, and I'm so sorry for your loss. News of his passing came as a shock. I haven't been able to reach Bob's wife because I don't have her phone number and email address. Can you shed any light on what happened? I've heard from the place where Bob's son works that Bob passed away in his sleep. That's the sum total of what I understand, and it leaves me bewildered, hoping to hear from you. Okay, so I get this email. This is like 9.30 in the morning, and I'm kind of preparing for the show and getting ready, and I'm going... Holy buckets. What what, what what is what is this all about? Because, again, I had talked to, I mean, Bob and I had exchanged emails yesterday, and I'm thinking, did, did something happen overnight that I hadn't heard about? Because I would have expected that if it did, I would have been one of the first people uh, to, to know. But I'm thinking, oh, my, my goodness. So I... Pick up the phone and I call Bob. <laughs> this isn't a text. This is an email. I, I call Bob, and after about four or five phone phone the rings, he answers the phone. Hello, and I said. I said, I don't mean to freak you out, but I, I've never been so glad that you answered the phone. And then I kind of share the email with him, and he says, <laughs> he says, I have no idea where where this came from. So it's it still, it's kind of like, wow. I mean, and it, it, he said, well, maybe he was trying to be funny. I said, no, I don't, I, I don't think this is the kind of thing that you just like send out of the clear blue and 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 joke about. Um, I said, yeah, you you should. You should maybe reach out to him. And he said, I'll do that right away. And then a little bit later, I got a text saying, I, I sent him a note, the guy who sent me the note saying, uh, Mark, I'm pleased to report to you that the rumors of Bob's passing are greatly exaggerated. I just spoke with him two minutes ago. He is doing fine. And then he sent me a note back saying, yeah, he just called me. Got to admit, my heart started racing about 85 miles an hour when I heard his voice. This is truly a strange situation. Apologies for undoubtedly freaking you out, and, and yeah, it, uh, it undoubtedly did, you know, <laughs> freak me out. There's no question about it. So it's like, wow, that's just, that's just kind of a, of a bizarre thing, and you wonder how he heard that, but it was good news that my friends passing the rumors greatly, greatly exaggerated. There is a thing in economics called the theory of sunk costs or, or fixed costs, the way it was explained to me um, by one of my economics professors in college was like this. He said, Every year they used to make, they made all the professors attend college graduation. And what they had to do, and this is back in the day, they all had to rent gowns. Nobody bought gowns. They'd have to pay, you know, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, whatever it was, to rent the gown. That they would then wear on on stage during the the event, and my economics professor said he just always hated, hated going to the, these different events. He, he said he said you know I just it, it was hot. I just I didn't like going to graduations. I didn't like to do it, but we had to do it, and we had to rent the, the gowns. So he, he said, oh, "All okay, right, so this this year comes along." And, you know, you have to rent the gowns by January 20th. So he says, I send in my money. So my, my 20 bucks is gone. I, I've already, I've, I've spent the money on that. You have to pay for it up front. He says, then like middle of March, they announce that they've changed the policy. And the policy that you no longer have to attend. So here's the deal. And he says, well, okay, but I, but I thought I was considering going anyways because I've already spent the money to, to rent the gown. Now, this is the theory of sunk costs. You've spent the money. The, the money is there, but now you don't want to go. You, because you thought you had to go, now, now you don't have to go. So do you go to do something that you don't want to do because you've already spent the money? See that money you're not going to get back you're out the 15 bucks you're out the 20 bucks regardless but things have now changed so do you just simply say i'm going to write off that that fixed cost that sunk cost i've spent the 15 or 20 dollars I, I'm going to write it off, and I'm not going to go to the graduation that I don't want to go to, or I'm going to go anyways because I've spent the money. The, the, in economics, the theory of sunken cost or fixed cost is that that money is gone. <laughs> so where, where do you go from here? you got to move on. Which brings me to what is going on in the state of Wisconsin. There's an absolutely fascinating story in the local newspaper that talks about this. It has to do with ventilators. I will share it with you, and we will discuss in just a moment. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, so we all understand the idea of sunken costs or fixed costs. You've spent the money. You can't get that money back, but there's no reason. the, The money is gone. So now do you go ahead, do you go to that college graduation simply because you've rented the gown? That that's the whole idea. Or do you simply say, Okay, that, that money's gone, I've spent that anyways, I don't want to do this, so I'm I'm not going to go. All right. It's playing out with the area in the area in Wisconsin for for ventilators. Now, if you will remember, at the start of the pandemic, that was the obsession that, that people had. It was You know, and and if you if you listen to the press conferences with President Trump and Mike Pence and uh, Dr. Fauci and all that, it was do we have enough ventilators? Ventilators are the very complex pieces of equipment that you use for people with respiratory problems as kind of a last-ditch sort of thing. You know that it's it's the ventilators, and remember, the big concern was. We're going to have all these people that are going to be in the, these latter stages of car, of, of you know, pulmonary um, or uh, effects on their lungs or whatever, and you need to have you need to have the, the ventilators and we don't have enough ventilators, and the country's been you know been, been held up short because we, we don't have enough ventilators. that was the thing well, as a result of that, what happened is the state of Wisconsin Fearful that the hospital systems would be overwhelmed with COVID cases and extreme COVID cases, and people needed ventilators and we wouldn't have enough, the, the state of Wisconsin commissioned the purchase of um, 1,500 ventilators. Now that they had about 1,200 in the state, so they commissioned the purchase of 1,500 ventilators. Um, the cost of 1,500 ventilators is 30 million bucks. All right, 30 million. They had to, when they put the order in, they had to put a non-refundable deposit of 15 million down. So they paid the 15 million bucks to order the the 1500 ventilators because the, the 1200 that we had, they felt wasn't going to be sufficient. All right, well we know how this has played out over the course of the last couple months. First of all, the idea that you put people on ventilators well, more and more doctors ha- have decided that's not a good idea. Matter of fact, even though that was kind of the standard protocol at the beginning, what they're finding is that the, the ventilators, once they put people on ventilators, a lot of times they don't come off them, and, and so doctors are using other therapies and other treatments other than ventilators. That's number one. Number two, the for whatever reason, the the fear that hospitals would be overwhelmed Ha- hasn't happened, and as a matter of fact, it, in Wisconsin, we, we haven't come close to using the number of ventilators that, that we already had. You know, we had the 1,200. We didn't come close to using that, so the pl- supply of ventilators we had w- was enough for the need. Now, admittedly, hindsight is twenty twenty. We didn't know about that at the time. And so they're saying, oh, my gosh, we're going to be overwhelmed. You saw all these dire projections. We're going to be overwhelmed. Well, well no. So they've ordered these 1,500 ventilators, and I think everybody agrees we don't need them. <laughs> we, we, we don't need them. What they said is that, you know, in order, in order to actually use those, a second wave of coronavirus would have to be three times the size of the first wave. For us to need an additional 1500 ventilators. So as a practical matter, it's, it's not going to happen. But, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. But we've already spent 15 million dollars for the down payment. So now the question is, given the fact that we're not going to need these, everybody agrees we're not going to need them, do you go ahead and pony up the next 15 million to take, to, to buy them? You know, do you spend another 15 million to get these ventilators that we are probably, in all likelihood, never going to use? Or do you just simply say that 15 million dollars, that's a sunk cost. Okay, we've that money is gone regardless. It doesn't make any sense. This would be the argument to throw good money after bad and spend another $15 million to bring in all these ventilators that we're probably, in all likelihood, never going to use. All right, 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. How do we deal with this? And I, I I'll tell you what I think, but I'm curious as to what you think. The idea is, in good faith, I'm not, no bad faith, you know, we, we were trying to figure out how to do this. Everybody's worried about a shortage of ventilators. We put a $15 million downstroke on all these ventilators. Now we know we're not going to need them, or in all likelihood, we're not going to need them. The ventilators we have are sufficient. Do you go ahead and spend another $15 million to, again, complete the purchase of the ventilators that we don't need? What do you do? 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Or do you walk away and say, you know what? We, this is, we're not going to throw good money after bad. We we don't need these. We're going to save the new $15 million. How do you handle this, and is there any lessons to be learned from this? We discuss in just a moment. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What would you do? Complete the purchase or save the $15 million? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. So, so what do you do? A couple months ago, the state committed to $30 million to, to buy these to buy the 1,500 ventilators. They don't need the 1,500 ventilators, but if they cancel the purchase they're out the $15 million. Do you go ahead and spend another $15 million to get the ventilators you don't need? Let's start with uh, Jeff in Milwaukee. Jeff, you're first. Good afternoon.
0: Good afternoon. I mean, common sense would be, which isn't going to happen, obviously, because of the government, but you just buy a, a less amount of them. If you're, let's just say if you're going to spend $15 million, with I got you, 750 of them, settle on five hundred. pay the $15 million, fifty percent more from everybody's happy.
1: Well, okay, under the under your scenario, you if, if the state cut the order in half, so they buy 7, 750 instead of, you know, one thousand five hundred, the problem is they would lose half of their deposit. They would lose seven and a half million dollars in that case by only taking half of them so that's not as much as losing 15 million but the way it would work be, because they'd lose half of their deposit so they'd still be out right. 7.5 million um so, so you think that that's that's a better option than well, 15 and, and, million. and
0: that's the problem the problem is well because you'd have to actually pay the seven, million, seven and a half million more to, to pay for the balance of the order so you'd still lose more than that right so you still have right, to pay for right. the balance of the order. So again, it, it's it's again, you, too bad they can't sit and talk and make a common sense decision by half, But that's not going to work. So again, either way, you lose. So what's the difference?
1: <laughs> Thanks for the call. Well, I mean, I guess the difference is, is seven and a half million. I mean, you could right. That is the middle ground. Instead of just canceling the order, you could and, and losing and losing all fifteen million and getting nothing. You could cut the order in half, and the way that deal would work is you'd have to forfeit half the deposit. So you'd be out seven point. You'd, you'd, so you'd be out, you know, half of what the cost would be, seven point five million, and then you'd still have to pay, you know, for for half of the ventilators. But in that case, you'd have half of the ventilators. Let's talk to Martin in Waukesha. Martin, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
2: Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Um, okay, so, what do I- you do? My idea is: uh, Is there a place where they're needed, or could they be resold? I mean, we take Mm -hmm. delivery of them, and they're brand new from whoever's building uh, them—General Electric Medical or General Motors. That plant they converted and resell them uh, and recoup some of our losses. I mean, that's uh, could they be used anywhere, or are they not reusable or not usable anywhere? Is the market flooded with uh, ventilators now, or? (laughs) Um, or is there still a market for them anywhere in the country or the world? Could they be resold to Venezuela or somewhere else?
1: <laughs> right, so your idea is yeah. let's go ahead. It, it's a sunk, co- sunk cost. Let's get them, and then let's kind of see if we can resell them, kind of go into the ventilator business to see if we can get rid of some of them. No, thanks for calling. Yeah, I, mean, I, I mean, no. No, no, I, I no. thanks for calling. No, I, I, I understand. Now, I, I don't think, part of the thing is, I don't think there's necessarily, a, certainly in this country, there, there's not a ventilator shortage now. And Again, I, I don't, I'm not alleging, by the way, there's any bad faith in this. I mean, everybody, this was the big fear, and you would, as we found out with masks and surgical things, you would rather have too much. You don't want to be caught short of, of these things, and, and and who knew how this was going to play out? I think when we look back on this, we're going to find that we collectively, you know, made mistakes. I, I believe shutting down the state and the country in the fashion we did it was going to turn out to be a, a, a mistake and an overreaction. I think there's things that you could have shut down without causing as much economic problems as you did, but, I mean, time will tell on that, and the, the, the concern that we're going to run out of all this stuff because we want to prepare for the worst-case scenario. I I actually, if you were to ask me how to do this, it's actually our first caller kind of hit on this. I I think the the idea, I would see if you could cut it in half, and apparently you can. So you, you don't, you've already spent $15 million, all right? And to me, having more ventilators than you need is not a bad thing, all right? And if the choice is, gee, do we we have 750 more ventilators than we need or do we have 1,500 more ventilators than we need? 750 ventilators seem to be the smarter sort of thing. You want to get something. So I think the idea of, of cutting the order in half you you have you forfeit seven point five million dollars, but you don't forfeit fifteen million to me that's the smart way to go, and you still get something out of it. You get a backlog of ventilators, so you've got some, but you don't have as many as you would have otherwise had. I think that's what most of us would do in our real lives if you had that choice state we'll see what they end up doing. I would say cut it in half, get something. But don't get everything. That's how I would deal with the sunk cost.
0: Welcome back to Jeff
1: Wagner on WTMJ. One of the things I, I try to do between shows is to use Twitter to, to send out interesting stories that, that have occurred between 3 p.m. one day and, and 12 p.m. the next day. So, if you want to follow me, it's at Jeff Wagner six twenty. There was there was a. You know, photos, that, you know, they say a picture is worth a thousand words, and sometimes that's true. There was a reporter for Channel 58 who was out covering the protest yesterday, and, and they sent a, a picture of, of the group that was leading the the protest, and it was one of these marches, and it's, it's a guy, and it's almost impossible to describe um, verbally, but I, I will try. There is a guy walking in the front who is carrying... A what would be described in the media as an assault rifle now, my assumption is it 's a semi automatic rifle, but it's you know it 's one of the things with the banana clips and, and all that, that that people have been saying we need to get off the street so this guy he 's at the front of the march he 's got the presumably semi automatic rifle that he 's carrying with his finger. Well, kind of wrapped around the the trigger, sort of, kind of, and he at least perched so it can can shortly be on the, the trigger. The banana clip there, he's apparently, according to the CBS 58 reporter, he's got a handgun stashed in his pocket, and this is what the text is. This guy is leading the pack with his rifle and handgun stashed in his pocket. I ran up to him to ask why he brought it, and he said it's so he can protect his friends. If you want to see this picture again, if you follow me, it's it's at Jeff on Twitter. It's at Jeff 620. I've got the, the 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 picture up there. I, I so I sent out the following tweet: Perhaps we should defund the police department to allow this guy to handle public safety. Wow! And some people wonder why police officers may be on edge while assigned to these protests. And and again, I just I wanted to emphasize this because. I in no way shape or form will ever endorse police overreaction or violence or things like that but I but I understand that from the mayor to the common council to all these commentators you know people Focus obsessively on, gee, did, did, should the police have used tear gas in this situation or, or, gee, you had a guy who that you was resisting arrest and trying to escape and you put him on the ground and he was struggling and it took you like a minute to get the guy handcuffed and, and is that an excessive use of force and, you know, you, you have those things that are playing out. I just, I, I'd like some of the people that feel that way just to look at pictures like this, where you see a man who's in the lead of this peaceful march, who's carrying, a, again, presumably a semi-automatic, what the media would describe as an assault rifle, and a gun in his waistband, and and you just you wonder why police might be a tad on edge. When they're dealing, you know, with, with crowds like this and then you've got the people that are throwing the bottles at them and things like that. Just, you might want to take that and and kind of keep that in mind. Okay. One of the other things that I sent out that got a a huge amount of, of reaction and I want to discuss with you is the fact that what, what they did yesterday and and what, what the county decided to do and, and the city. They decided that they were going to discontinue public transportation last night, tonight, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, The hop is not going to run after 10 o'clock in the evening. That's not a big deal. Nobody rides the hop. The bus system, though, is going to shut down as well. So last night, starting at 10 o'clock in the evening, no buses. Tonight, Saturday night, Sunday night, no buses. Now, here's what the transit system says. They're suspending bus service um, because the m- protests have blocked routes and have made it hard for the buses to to get through. Actually, that's um, at 10 p.m. tonight, this was yesterday, all Milwaukee County bus service will be suspended. Um, service on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday also will be suspended at 10 p.m., Updates on the service will be given after that. Uh, The bus system said the protests have blocked bus routes and made it hard for buses to safely navigate around the large crowds of people. Now, I, I bring this up because I have heard from a number of people who have relatives who work second shift and sometimes it's it's working in restaurants, by the way it, it's second shift workers who depend on the buses to get to and from home, and they're now being told last night, tonight, tomorrow, and sunday and and maybe moving forward you know we're we're not going to have bus service in the evening, essentially you're a second shift worker, you get off at ten thirty or eleven o'clock at night and you depend on the bus you are out of luck because the buses can't navigate around the protesters. Our number, 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, Is this an appropriate response? The idea that, all right, we're, we're concerned that there's a large group of protesters out on the streets. Um, we are going to allow them, essentially, to take over the streets to the point that public transportation, bringing people to and, or in this case, most likely from work, it not going to operate. 855-616-1620, that's the have Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And like I say, I've heard from a number of people who used words that I cannot repeat, or at least choose not to repeat on the radio, describing how upset they are that now, because you have these protests that are taking on the, on the streets, you have folks that don't have access to, to cars who can't use public transportation to get where they're going. Do they have a legitimate beef? 855-616-1620, that's the accurate mortgage talk and text line. And, and my answer would be, yes, I, they, they do. Um, I, I understand, and I have, again, I, I'm the guy that says there's I have no problem with peaceful protests and things like that. But if you're now at a point where you're per- concerned that the protests are going to stop public transportation and prevent people from being able to get to or from work. At some point in time, don't those people who depend on public transportation don't they have certain rights as well? 855-616-1620 that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text line. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner.
0: Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on
1: WTMJ. 855 616 1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And, and by the way, the, the same, literally, at the same time, we are canceling late night bus service in the city. Nothing, no buses running after 10. Tonight is the night that finally Tom Barrett allows bars and restaurants to, to open up, at least with limited capacity, we're going to talk about that in just a couple minutes, in the, the city of Milwaukee. So now it's like, okay, well, finally, after all this time, we're going to allow people to actually go out to bars, in a 25% capacity, but you can go out to bars, but if you depend on, like, taking a bus or something to get there, you're not going to be able to, to do that. 855-616-1620, Julie in Germantown. Julie, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you today? I am well, thank you. Does it make any sense to cancel the bus routes?
3: I really don't think so. I think one thing that the city of Milwaukee has going for us is an outstanding transportation system. We have this grid system that makes it so that you can get around just about anything. We've had construction forever, and we've gotten around it. And I think this is a huge overreaction by the bus company for the few places in the city where, they would have to reroute a bus temporarily. Um, I think mm-hmm. it's hiding the fact that they're just trying to um, make it more difficult for the protesters to get to and from where they want to
1: be. And uh, it's not right. Well, no, Julie, I mean, thanks for the call. I You know, actually, I, I, I don't disagree with you at all. This is, It's the first thing, what you said is the first thing I thought of, that, you know, we are... We're used to working around things, okay? I mean, I if you have, for example, looked at like a lot of the construction that's been going on in downtown. Maybe you have, maybe you have certain routes, and, and this is a different example of that. But when, when I go to Fiser Forum, I always I take a, a shuttle from a from a club I belong to downtown. Now that, that shuttle has, over the course of the last couple of years, given the fact that the streets of Milwaukee are constantly torn up, that the shuttle has had to take different routes. And sometimes that means you've got to go a couple blocks out of your way to get somewhere. Other times it means that maybe they have to drop you off a block or so away from where you would normally be. But but they figure out a way to do this. Uh, and I guess I, I'm thinking... That, that that same thing is true. First of all, you, you don't know for sure what the routes of the protests are, are going to be. So you, you don't know for sure about that. And, and my guess is on a lot of the routes, what is going to happen is you're, you're not going to be running into protesters. I mean, the protests, and I, I, I understand when, when people do marches, it can take up a certain amount of space, and and I understand that. But then maybe in those sort of cases, you have to, you know, navigate around this and i understand that this is i understand that it's an imposition for the drivers and things like that but there are of course you know people who who depend on the bus system to get them to or in this case you know from work and the people i'm hearing from are people like i say who are working second shift who are wondering how they are going to get home while this goes on let's talk to james in milwaukee james you're on wtmj good afternoon
2: how you doing? This is President of Transit Union.
1: Yes, sir. Every Welcome. night,
2: every night I'm out there. Every night we are trying to reroute these buses. Wednesday night when I was out there at 10 o'clock, Route 30 that's supposed to be on Sherman was going down 6th Street because he couldn't go no other way. Route 15 mm-hmm. was going around um, on 6th Street because he couldn't go no other way. They got supervisors trying to stay in front of the protest to figure out where they're going to redirect these buses. We usually have two or three buses that get jammed up on that, um if they get caught in there, and they are backing these buses up doing U-turns in the middle of the street. Right. We also right. had a bus that got jammed up on Center Street where the protest was jumping up or down it. So it's a safety issue. It has nothing to do And if you got a curfew at nine o'clock, you're supposed to be in curfew. So what the company did was they tried to give people opportunity to realize that we're going to pull them in at 10 o'clock. And actually they haven't really did that. They had buses fin- finish their route, then they pulled it in. So we do have buses that go past 10 o'clock. That is right. the reason. So anybody wants to come drive? I would train them. I used to be a trainer and see what the driver's going through or just ride the bus with me and see what the driver's going through.
1: Oh James, I, I don't think anybody's criticizing the drivers about this. I guess my my question is for the people who I mean for the for the people who depend and there's a lot of people who depend on the buses to to get back from work, I mean what what are they supposed to do? and this isn't a criticism of the drivers at all. it's but what, what what do they do if the buses aren't on the streets?
2: Well, the problem is, is people don't know where to catch the bus anymore. Yeah. You know, and I just said earlier, the 30 was going up down 6th Street. So people standing on Sherman wasn't going to catch the bus because the bus was rerouted somewhere else. So even with the bus service out there, nobody knows where to catch the bus because nobody knows where the d is going to end up. Because so, the company is trying to figure out where the d is going to go. And, you know... And it has started that you have one group on one side of town, then so you have another group on the other side of town, and meet up. So they interrupting all the services, really. All
1: right. So the the bottom line of this is, as long as the, these protests are, are going on, um, the people who are, are riding the bus in the evening are, are kind of out of luck. Is that kind of what's where where we're at right now?
2: As the way it is right now, that's why they telling them make you no, know, they giving them advance notice. You know, one night, you know, they right. tried to keep the buses out there, and the buses couldn't even get back to the station. They had to load them off on um, the main office because they couldn't right. even get back to the station to pull it in. So well, we apologize for inconvenience to in people, but, mm. you know, what is the service out there good for when nobody knows where to get on the bus or off the bus because right. the buses is all over the city? That's the issue. Got it.
1: No, I appreciate it. Thank, thanks for the call, James. I appreciate I, I do appreciate the perspective. And by the way, this isn't a that it's not a criticism of, of the drivers a, at all. I guess I, I just come down on the side of and, and I think peaceful protest is important, but there are people who depend on the bus service and as as our first caller, Julie, was saying, I think we, we I think the bus service bus company does a really good job around here. I, I think they, they do. And and now you have a situation where we're essentially saying, Okay, you're you're out of luck if you want to to ride it. Now James says it's just not practical to try to reroute these things. So in other words that the protesters are now for people who depend on public transportation to be able to get to and or from their job, they're 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 kind of out of they're kind of out of luck. We've decided that we're going to just allow the protesters to their rights to trump no pun intended, the rights of the people who depend on transit to get to and from their workplaces. Huh. I I'd, I'd like to see some of those bus riders who now don't have ways of getting home from their jobs. It might be, might be nice to see some of those people, like, interviewed as well. And as far as the protesters, I mean, he was saying there's one instance of people, like, banging on a bus or something. For goodness sakes, I mean, can't you, can't you move away and let the buses get around, for goodness sakes? Because the people who are riding the buses, um, you know, they're just trying to make a living, too. All right, back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. <laughs> And this is Jeff Wagner. You know, one of the interesting things about the decision to, to shut down the, the buses after 10 o'clock at night, it's, well, how long does this go on? You know, in the last segment or two segments ago in the program, we were talking about, you know, what is the end game, and is it possible that these protests are going to continue for for weeks and weeks? And I think that's certainly a, a potential. So what do, what do we do? What do we say to the people that depend on public transportation? Okay, it's one thing if, all right, we're, we're going to shut it down, we're going to shut it down for a night or two. I mean, that, that is an inconvenience, and it's probably a significant inconvenience, but you can get around it. All right, if, if this is going to go on night after night after night, do we essentially say people who depend on public transportation to get to your livelihood, who happen to work second or third shift or whatever, you're you're just going to be out of luck, period? Here's a couple texts. Jeff, the mayor needs to get control of the city. How do protesters and rioters have more rights than people trying to get to work, Where is the Common Sense Committee? Um, Jeff, I think the protest group should be pulling permits to assemble on this whole situation. Um, Jeff, the people, the protesters are hurting the people that they are trying to help. Jeff, how about rerouting the protesters? Um, You know, that's 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 it. Jeff, it's not like the bus drivers are cast adrift at 10 p.m. and are on their own for their shift. They have two-way radio commu- communication and likely their own cell phone, too. I, and, I, and I get it. I, I guess I just, I mean, I appreciate there is a safety concern if, if buses are getting swarmed by the protesters and they have to keep rerouting things. Like I say, you can do it for a night or two. I understand it's an inconvenience to people, but you can do it for a night or two. But if this is going to go on for the foreseeable future, I mean, don't you have to figure out some accommodation other than just simply say we're going to shut down public transportation for people who depend on this? Sorry, you know, we can't control the streets. We can't control the protesters and the protesters' right to be out on the street trumps other people's rights to go to work. I don't think that's an acceptable thing. they got to figure it out. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.
0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. So glad to have you with us. This is um, interesting times. We've, we've been. This is actually. I'm a little bit wistful about this. This is my. For the last 11 weeks, they they haven't let me back to Radio City. We've been broadcasting from the home studio, and um, it, it's actually up until just a couple minutes ago. It's been working fine. We've just had a sort of major technical glitch here, and. Um, So I haven't been able to hear things. We're working on it back there. But it's been 11 weeks, and I want to say before we get further into the program and the last hour of this little 11-week experiment, I want to say a real special thank you to my producer, uh, Gru, who has been doing a yeoman's job over the course of the 11 11 weeks, doing essentially his job and doing a portion of my job, and I appreciate it, you know, very much as he, you know, as we deal with this type of stuff. And um, I'm actually, there's parts about working at home that I like quite a bit, and there's parts that I don't like, and I'm very much looking forward to getting back to the studio, and and the program's going to originate from Radio City starting on Monday. Well, this this is a big time. It's uh, 2.10, according to our clock here. It's 2.10, and if you are in the city of Milwaukee, it's a big time, because for the first time in months, according to the edict from Milwaukee Mayor Tom Barrett, bars and restaurants will be allowed to reopen. Now, throughout the community, what you've seen is that um, in in areas surrounding Milwaukee, we've had bars and restaurants that have been open for a while, and it really hasn't led to problems or anything like that. The mayor has made a decision to try to keep a wrap on the city of Milwaukee. What I think really was the motivating factor in the decision to allow the bars and restaurants to open up is the fact that over the last week or so, you have had large groups of people that have decided to take to the city streets and, you know, engage in in the protests that have been there. But it's kind of tough to say to a bar or a restaurant owner, we're not going to allow you to be open. We're not going to allow you to have any people in your business. And at the same time, what you're going to end up doing is at then, like, turning a blind eye to the fact that you have hundreds or thousands of people who are not practicing social distancing, by and large, who are wandering in close quarters a- along the streets. And, and that's fine. I- I've not been arguing at all that you should shut down the-, the protests, at least according to the peaceful protests. But at the same time, if you're going to allow, and in the case of the mayor, he, he marched with some of the protests. The other day, and that's fine. How can you, in turn, if you're going to allow large groups of people to get together, how can you, in turn, then say to, I don't know, the bar owner or the restaurant owner that we're not going to allow you to open up? So, I think one of the side effects of the protests has been the whole notion that okay, maybe this idea of trying to keep a big clamp on the on the city that that's pretty much. That's pretty much gone. Now, here's, here's what the issue, though, is. as a practical matter. Even though the mayor has allowed the bars and restaurants in the city of Milwaukee to open up, and that's a good thing, starting about 10 minutes ago, they are still incredibly limited. In-person service is going to be limited to 25% of capacity. Twenty five percent. So the bottom line of all this is that these businesses who have been closed forever, they're, they're only again, it's twenty five percent capacity. What what does that mean as a practical matter, and how are you going to be able to make a living if you're only able to open up at 25% capacity. I I think a more realistic thing would have been to say, okay, we're we're going to allow it to be 50%, and and then we're going to go from there. But again, the big point is, if you can have hundreds or you can have thousands of people walking along the street, how, how can you not allow, I don't know, 20 people to get together in a restaurant and keep in mind one of the things that we have seen as a general rule in the bars and the restaurants that have opened up around the area one of the things that we have seen is they've done it in a responsible fashion the owners of bars the owners of restaurants they don't want people to get sick they don't want their employees to get sick they don't want their customers to get sick so in general people have done this in a responsible fashion is it a good thing that the city of Milwaukee has made the decision to allow the bars and restaurants to reopen? Absolutely. Is it a bad thing that they're not allowing them to reopen in a larger fashion? Absolutely. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Welcome back. So very glad to have you with us. As states around the country begin to reopen, and Wisconsin gets back to business, what will our workplaces look like and how soon until you should feel comfortable going on that special trip. Please join John McCure on Thursday, June 11th. That is next Thursday at 4 o'clock. For WTMJ cares, a special roundtable discussion about workplaces and the travel industry in the age of a pandemic. WTMJ cares, powered by Watry Industries and Premier Aluminum, and sponsored by Freighterton, to the Medical College of Wisconsin, Town Bank, and Griffin Automotive Group. All right, during the uh, newscast today, you've been hearing about how uh, Potawatomi Casino has made the announcement that they are going to. Reopen, I I believe, the early part of, of next week. It's going to be a soft reopening. They're not just throwing open the doors to everybody. It's going to be invited guests. But the idea is they're going to be getting people back. That comes on the heels of the decision by other. Gambling casinos, other Indian-operated gambling casinos in Wisconsin, Ho Chunk and Oneida, to to open up as well, and and they've been they've been doing that. Big story in the Wall Street Journal about how the Las Vegas casinos are now starting to open up, and what you're seeing is uh, different changes. The, the limits as to the number of people that can be around craps table, craps tables, the limits as to how many slot machines there are. Distancing, things of the like. No food service, no beverage service, etc. Our number eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acinet Mortgage Talk and Text line. I am intrigued about where we are when it comes to dealing with the whole idea of our comfort level going out again. I have, um, I haven't been inside in a restaurant to eat since the safer at home thing passed by i have however i mean I, i've dined outside a couple places we've gone to have have patio dining i'm, I'm planning to go out with a my wife and i are going with a, another couple tonight we're going and we're going to be sitting outside and eating outside i for some reason that seems to make a difference to me but that's kind of what my comfort level is i, I haven't been back in into a uh, with with one exception for a brief period of time, I was in a tavern. But otherwise, I haven't been in bars. I, I I'm not comfortable yet with being in you know large groups of people in inside. I, I'm sure I will reach a point at that, but I'm not there yet. Now the casinos. Part of the casino experience is you go in, you're with other people. You know, you can limit capacity, but that's, that's only going to take you so far. You know, you are going to be touching, you know, uh, slot machines and you're going to be touching screens that other people have, have touched. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, we are starting to reopen the state. That is a very, very good thing, in my opinion. My question is moving forward are are you ready for this are you ready to go back to the casinos how long is it going to take you if you're a las vegas person or you're a pottawadi person or you're a ho-chunk person or you're an oneida person in the area of casinos and i know there's a lot of people out there that just absolutely love it are are you at a point now where you are ready to go back Or is it going to be a little bit of a time? 855-616-1620. That's the acunate mortgage talk and text line. I think, again, that the casinos have been doing this in a a very responsible fashion so far because they understand the comfort level that, that people have with this. But now that they're starting to roll this out, Are you going to be one of the first people that go? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, Let's see. Jeff, here's a text. When casinos open up, will Vegas and Pottawatomie, like Ho-Chunk, have no gaming tables whatsoever? Well, that's the question. Is it all going to be slot machines? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Are you ready to go back to casinos? If you're on the line, hold on. We'll discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So, very glad to have you with us. 855 616 1620. That's the academic mortgage talk and text line. The casinos are starting to open up in Wisconsin and in Las Vegas. Are you ready to go back to the casino? Let's start with Mary in Port Washington. Mary, good afternoon.
3: Hi, good afternoon. Um, I'm letting you know, we did, we're did. from Port Washington, and we did make the trip uh, going north up to Oneida yesterday.
1: Yesterday, okay.
3: And um, you walk in, they take your temperature. There's a, a machine there that you stand in front of. They take it, your temperature. Uh, then we were on our way into the casino. They do require a mask be worn the entire time you're there. The beverage machines that you normally can go to and get your own beverage, those are all closed. But right. they do have a galette of the separate machine, and she will serve you right from the machine. And we left her a tip. Um, it, the machines, every other machine has a sign on it out of order. <laughs> oh, is okay. the casino was dark in the back because uh, no table games, no poker room.
1: Right. So, no poker room, no table games, and half the number of slot machines at, at least, maybe maybe even fewer than half. You're wearing masks. That could be. And um, okay, so was it fun, or did it kind of crimp? With or did it kind of crimp your experience?
3: You know, we didn't really know what to expect, my husband and I, and um, we got in and we really didn't notice a whole lot of difference. In the back of your mind, you know you're wearing this mask and Mm -hmm. um, you've got to be careful what you touch, but we would have no hesitation to go back there.
1: Okay, and the $64,000 question, Mary, is did you win?
3: I did. I won two hundred dollars. <laughs> I did.
1: There you go. Okay. Thanks for the call, Mary. I appreciate it. Well that that that's part of the thing. Here here's I mean, first of all, here is my hesitation. And I I, I just I, I, if you're a regular listener, you know we were, I was scheduled next week to, to be in, in Disney World. My my brother's a huge Disney fan, and we were going to go to Disney World. My wife and I, together with my brother and my niece and nephew, were going to make a family thing of it. And, of course, Disney World isn't going to be open until next week, and, and then only in a limited capacity. And a, a lot of the, the restaurants that we would go to are closed and things of the like. And when they reopen, they're, they're reopening I, again, n- it's going to be a much, much different experience. The same thing right now is true of Las Vegas. I'm, I'm a big Las Vegas guy. I mean, we I typically go a couple times, two, three times a year, but I, I go, I like to see some of the shows. Well, a lot of the shows aren't occurring. Um, I, I like the... I like the hustle and the bustle. I mean, sometimes it it gets overwhelming with people, but I I kind of like the energy and the vibe. And I guess I'll be honest with you. I'm I'm really wrestling with this idea of uh, of at least short-term, do you want to spend all the money that it's going to cost to go to Las Vegas or spend all the money that it's going to cost to go to Disney World or Universal or, or whatever if you're not going to be able to have that experience? It's sort of like... When we were talking with, when I was talking with Don Smiley yesterday from Summerfest. And again, I, I think Summerfest. It's unfortunate that they canceled Summerfest 2020, but it's really the the only decision they could make. Number one, you, you do have the, the whole public safety aspect out of there, and I appreciate that. But there's also the the experience that's there. I mean, you think about Summerfest, just like you think about Las Vegas, and just think like think, think about going to casinos and things. And, and part of the the fun of Summerfest is you've got you've got lots of people together and you've got people that are on the benches and you've you're, you're in a, a three quarters full or a full you know amphitheater watching the shows that common sort of experience and the the truth is at least for the foreseeable future you're you're not going to be able to duplicate that so I mean I guess yeah it, it's true that you can. Fly to Las Vegas, and you can, you know, go into a a casino that's going to be 75% empty, and you can go to a hotel that's going to be 75% empty, and maybe they're going to have some food service, but they're not going to have the buffets, they're not going to have a lot, and, and it's just not going to be the same experience. I guess that's that's kind of what my hesitation is. I want to get out. I want to support businesses. I'm not ready to be, on the one hand, I'm not ready to be in in large groups of thousands and thousands of people yet. I don't think most people are. At the same time, I, I also if I'm going to spend a lot of money, I, I don't want a, a, a grossly watered down experience. So I understand there's a little bit of a contrast with that, but its I think it's going to take some time, particularly for a, a lot of these places that depend on, on energy and large crowds and things like that. I think it's going to be a while before... You know, people are are comfortable going back to them, and and at least for some of those businesses, that might extend it. Now, for some of the local casinos, maybe it's going to be a little bit of a different dynamic because it's not like you're hopping on a jet and flying to Orlando, Florida, or hopping on a jet and flying halfway across the country to Las Vegas if you like to play slot machines or whatever. You, you can go down to Potawatomi or you can go to Ho-Chunk or you can go to Oneida and you can have that experience and you're not investing a huge amount of money traveling to get there. So that's always, you know, one of the possibilities that, in fact, is there. But uh, they're starting to open up. I think that that's a, a good thing. My guess is that they're going to be, you know, responsible as they approach this, just like I think most of the businesses have been responsible. And I think people's comfort levels are going to increase, and I think people are are ready to get out and about, as we were talking about earlier in the program. I I think, you know, one of the things, in in some respects, that's been fueling the the large number of people that you have out on the streets protesting is the fact that people have been, you, you know... People have been on their last nerve end when it comes to, you know, having to be confined and quarantined. And and now you've got the flip side of the genuine angst and anger that's out there involving, you know, some of the things that have been going on in society. And you put those two together and people want to go out and people want to make a statement. No surprise with that.
0: It's time now for Jeff Wagner's Pop Culture Corner. Put aside the heavy lifting and call the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. And now, here is Jeff Wagner.
1: So very glad to have you with us. A single, a double, a triple, and a home run. I'm talking about hitting for the cycle, of course, a rare feat. How about doing it twice against the same team? Bob Eucher calls another Brewers Classic as Christian Yelich hits for the cycle again. Tune in next Wednesday at 6. We're one week closer to live Brewers baseball. Brewers Classic, sponsored by your local carrier dealer, American Family Insurance, Biofuels Association, U.Singer's Famous Sausage, Engman Taylor, and Sartori Cheese. All right. Pop Culture Corner. Some weeks we talk about movies, sometimes books, sometimes restaurants, sometimes travel, sometimes cars, sometimes sports. Uh, Today is music. And, and, you know, one of the things I I think over the course, this is, like I say, I've been broadcasting from home for 11 weeks, get to go back to the studio on on Monday. I know a lot of us have been cooped up. I know there's a lot of people who, for example, have been or are in quarantine or have been told you're not going to be able to go back to the office for the the whole balance of the summer, I know there's a lot of people who've been extremely frustrated because maybe you've lost your job and you don't know when you're going to be going back. So we, we've uh, there's been a lot of bad news, and as we discussed yesterday on the program, I just I don't know if 2020 is is the worst year ever. Talking about generally, but I, I think it, it's certainly one of those. I think you probably have to go back to 1968 to find a year where there was as as much turmoil, and and we're only we're only in june 2001 was not great of course you know when you had september 11th and all those type of things just in general it's been frustrating i think people are are tired of being cooped up they are frustrated we're we're all we're all on that, that sort of like last nerve. And so maybe it's things that, you know, ordinarily you'd, you'd kind of let fly or you, it wouldn't bother you as much. I, I think now sometimes it's the small things that are bothering people. And I think people need some stuff to make them feel better. One of the things that I always do when I'm feeling a little bit down or whatever, I find, I find music is the thing that just a lot of times it it just picks me up. And so I have been spending a lot of time lately, you know, listening to my music collection, and I I find myself going back more and more to my favorites. And there there will be tunes that come on by some of my favorite performers that just flat out make me smile. And it, and it doesn't it doesn't matter what kind of day I'm having. It doesn't matter about how I'm aggravated about this or, or that or the other thing. When a particular song comes on, it makes me feel better. Our number 855-616-1620. That's the Accunate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, let's let's end this week on a high note. Pop culture corner for this week is that song that when you hear it, it just makes you smile. It just makes you feel good. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text line. It can be a ballad, it can be a rocker, it, it just doesn't matter. It's the song that just makes you smile. It could be a serious song. It could be a funny song. It's just that, that song, maybe it brings back memories from a different time. It just makes you smile. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, I'll get it started. I will tell you one of the songs, and it just happened the other night. I, I've been, they've been chilling on, on YouTube TV and Radio Margaritaville. They, they Twice a week they show Jimmy Buffett concerts from years past. One of the songs that Jimmy Buffett plays during his concerts is um, he does a cover of Van Morrison's "Brown Eyed Girl," and that that's just that's a song that whenever I hear it, whether it's the Buffett version or the Van Morrison version, whenever I hear the song "Brown Eyed Girl," I just stop. It makes me smile. 855 That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What is the song that just makes you smile? All right, I'm going to take a quick break to give Gru a chance to line up the calls. As I always say during these segments, please call quickly because our phone lines tend to jam up, and I want to get to as many calls as I can, and don't, over, don't overthink it. Just when I say that, throw out the topic. What's that song that just makes you smile when you hear it? That's all. Back with your calls and your texts in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.
0: This is Jeff Wagner's Pop Culture Corner. Now back to Take Your Calls.
1: Here's Jeff Wagner. Well, if our phone lines and our text lines are any indication, you're with me looking for something, just something to make you smile. Songs do that. We're talking about the song that when it comes on just makes you smile and feel good. Let's start with Rob in Green Bay. Rob, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
2: Good afternoon, Jeff. You know, I'm such a big music fan. It was, you know, it's so tough to pick out one. But the first thing, like you literally said, that came to my mind was "Roll Me Away" by Bob Seger.
1: Yeah, well, Seeger has so Bob Seger has so many of those those songs that just. That, that just, I mean, he he captures the moment and, I mean, Roll Me Away is just a, it's a great rocker, no question about it. Now, thanks to call. appreciate it. I, I also, Bob Seger, it, it it wouldn't be the song that always makes me smile, but Night Moves is one of my favorite songs as well, always takes me back. Frank in Cedarburg. Frank, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
2: Hey, Jeff. How are you doing?
1: I'm well, thank you. The song that makes you smile.
2: Well, I'm a Bob Dylan fan, and uh, I know you are, too. But the song I enjoy is In the Summertime by Mongo
1: Jerry. (laughs) <laughs> that that that's another one. That just you know when when you you hear that and it's, it's one of the things. It's a song that you can tell the first three chords, the first three notes. You know what it, that's. It's that song. It is a great song of the summer. Matter of fact, when when you mentioned it, I was almost inclined to kind of burst into song, but I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'll you know. <laughs> but it's <laughs> it, it's great. No, thanks for the call. In the summertime, you you can't go wrong with that. Uh, let us talk to. Dave in Fredonia. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
2: Hi there. Great topic. We need more of this kind of stuff right now. The genius of Bob Marley and Three Little Birds.
1: Um, that's a beautiful song. Are you a Marley fan? Are you a Bob Marley fan?
3: I, I do like him a lot, yep.
1: Yeah, yeah. The, um, I, I um. You know, it's funny, a little bit of reggae goes a long way with me, but but Three Little Birds, that would definitely, that's that's certainly my favorite Bob Marley song, and that's another one that you can tell just, you know, within the first couple notes, you can tell it is that song. It is distinctive, and it, it does. You're exactly right. It, it makes you smile. Thanks for the call, Dave. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, Bob Marley, huge fan of that. Let's talk to Jamie in Sussex. Jamie, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
3: Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, great topic. Yes, Uh, today and you know i agree with a lot of the callers so far bob seeker excellent bob marley can't go wrong my song is um summer breeze every time i hear it it makes me feel fine
1: (laughs) that's okay that's seals and croft right am i right who's who does summer breeze i
3: believe that's who it is i kept thinking bill withers but i think you're right
1: no, I think it's it Seals and Croft, but right. Summer Breeze again, a, a a a beautiful song. Got a catchy lyric, and you're you're right. It it just it kind of makes you smile. I'm, I'm with you, Jamie. Thanks for the call. Okay, um, let's see. Let's we've got a couple of Ann's on the line. Let's go to Ann without an E in Delafield. Ann, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
3: Yes. Hi. Um, the song hi. I have is uh, "I Can See Clearly Now" by Johnny Nash. The one where he's singing, I can see clearly now the rain is gone. I can see all Mm -hmm. obstacles in my way. Um, It's going to be a bright, shiny day. Whenever I hear that song, it just lifts me up. It's got that kind of reggae groove, and it's just very uplifting.
1: It's an uplifting song, it's a, it's, it's a catchy song, and it, it's got a really positive message. No, Thanks for the call, Ann. I appreciate it. See, these are all these are all great ideas, and one of the reasons I'm doing this as we go into a weekend is it's going to be a nice summer weekend, and it doesn't have to necessarily be a summer song, but if you're feeling a little bit down, and and look, I understand why that is. I, I get it. You you turn on the TV news, or, news or listen to the radio news, or, or Lord knows, you go on the Internet and you start reading news sources and things like that, and, and you just see all this relationship relentlessly bad news that, that's out there and you know sometimes we need stuff to lift us up and <laughs> music can do that let's talk to ann in east troy hi ann you're on wtmj hi
3: Jeff. um my song that i go to when i'm feeling a little bit down is ripple by the grateful dead are you a deadhead ann you know i didn't used to be but my husband introduced me to them and now yes i am officially a deadhead <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, there you go. You know they have they have so many great songs like that. Ripple would certainly be one of them. I, I think for me, um, well, Scarlet Begonias would be another, and Uncle John's uh, band, Uncle John's band would be another one. But there's, you're right. There's so many. Oh, and um, uh, you know, uh, Truckin'. That's a, that's just another one of those, those, is great. those dead songs is <laughs> Right? That just that just yep, it kind of makes them. you smile thanks for the call in. Yep. i appreciate it you know the great of course uh, she's calling from east troy uh the grateful dead back in its heyday the jerry garcia days before he passed they used to um they used to really figuratively speaking burn down that whole alpine valley area you'd have people that were were coming in let's see let's talk to um da, 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 uh, mike on the northwest side mike you're on wtmj good afternoon
2: Hi, good afternoon, Jeff. My song is uh, put me in center field.
1: And I can't remember John the artist, but then I put John me in next Yeah. That's yeah right. No, put me put me in, Coach. No, thank, thanks for the call. Yeah, I mean that that's another one. That that's a great song of the summer. Yeah, it's it's John Fogarty who of course was the driving force before the band broke up of the Creedence Clearwater revival and, and I, I would you know, it's one of those things that Almost, almost any Creedence song, or at least most of the really popular Creedence songs, I would put in that same category. But, but center field, you know, put me in, coach. I tell you, as a matter of fact, on the text line, a number of people have mentioned center field. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text line. Diane in Milwaukee. Hi, Diane. You're on WTMJ.
3: Hi. Great idea. Um, yeah. Rock and Robin. Because it reminds oh, me of Robin Yount
1: and the Brewers' heyday, and what a song! <laughs> it, it is. You're, you're kind of dating yourself. You realize? I mean, that Rock and Robin goes back. You know, go, goes back quite a ways.
3: Oh, yeah. Well, when he came <laughs> around, you know, it came back. Yeah. So Rock and yeah. Robin, I it Work- makes me smile.
1: Works for me. Thanks for the call, Diane. I appreciate it. Uh, Steve in Waukesha. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
2: Uh, the song that really gets me every time, and I'll never turn it off if I hear it on the radio, is the "Golden Slumbers" melody by the Beatles. It kind of yeah. ended the Beatles' career, and 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 you know, Paul sings at the very end, uh, "The love you take is equal to the love you make." It kind of sums right. up the whole six thing right there.
1: Yeah, no, I I think it is. Would you say that's your favorite Beatles song? <laughs>
2: um, yeah, I would say so. I also like um, "Rain" quite a bit too. So
1: right interesting no thanks for the call appreciate it yeah i mean there's a lot of beatles songs that would would be that way as as well um matter of fact i I spent an evening last a a couple of weeks ago i just i I listened to a couple of the old beatles albums and went back and it's just amazing the stuff that you hear uh gina in brookfield gina you're on wtmj good afternoon
3: hey brian adams summer of 69
1: oh what a great song what a great song. I know. Um,
3: I know. And I was lucky enough to see him perform it, and it was just, I love that song. Love that
1: song. Oh, really? It's, no, it's, 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 it's again, that, that's just another one that it captures that, that spirit so very well. So thanks for call, Gene. I appreciate it. I'll, I'll tell you one that, that another one for, for me, it um, makes me smile. And I, it's not necessarily because of the, the words, but it's just there's something about Rod Stewart's Maggie Mae which I think is one of the, the greatest rock songs ever. I just, I, I love the way the thing starts, and when, whenever you hear it, it just, I, I just think that's such a great song. I had the opportunity to see Rod, I've seen Rod Stewart a couple times, but I saw him in Vegas a couple years back, and it it wasn't, It wasn't really a great show. Rod Stewart was, his voice was kind of shot. Now he, you know, he said it was just he'd he'd been doing a lot of shows in Vegas and the air was dry, etc. I I don't know if that was the case or all, but his voice wasn't great. But I will tell you this: it was worth. Whatever I paid for for Fran and I going to see the show because obviously he he wraps up the show with Maggie May and, and what they do is he and the band they go marching through the crowd playing that song and, and just to hear Rod Stewart do it was just was just worth it. Okay, we we are flooded with texts. Let me um, let me um, let me get some of those. Um, Born to Run, you know, Springsteen, can't uh, go wrong with that. Uh, Another takes I Love Dixie Chicken. We've seen the bright lights of Memphis and the Commodore Hotel. Can't go wrong with Little Feet. Um, Start Me Up by the Rolling Stones, Sitting on the Dock of the Bay, Otis Redding, of course. Uh, Polk Salad Annie, Elvis Presley, and a number of these other... um, Number of the, these other things. Uh, Jeff, anything by Kenny Chesney or any Jack, Zach Brown song? Well, certainly, um, you know, there, there's a number of Zach Brown songs that would fit in this. Jeff, uh, let's see, Stevie Wonders, Don't You Worry About a Thing, Say Hey, I Love You by Michael Fronte. Um, Let's see. A lot of different choices. Um, Don McLean's American Pie. That's from Paul in Appleton. Here's another Springsteen one. Jeff, Dancing in the Dark by Springsteen. Jeff, the song Free Ride is the one I hear when my car, it's the car windows down, pedal to the metal, grinning ear to ear. Yeah, see, that's... That's the um, that's the thing. Um, Walking on sunshine hmm, by Katrina and the Waves, full of energy. Another one, Born to Run by the Springsteen. By Springsteen, a couple people saying Paul McCartney's, you know, Hey Jude. Um, number of people saying Centerfield, Old Time Rock and Roll by Springfield, One of These Nights by the Eagles. Um, that's it. Take it easy. By Jackson Brown and the Eagles is another one of those for me. Okay, I'm sorry, well, jam phone lines, lots of people. I couldn't read all the text as well. But but here's the bottom line of this. I know it's been a frustrating couple months, and I know you know 2020 is one of these years where it's just like get it in the rearview mirror and let's have a better 2021. I understand all that, but um, if you want just a little bit of moment of happiness. That's my that's my advice. Just you know, go to your record collection, go to your MP3s. Go to your streaming, whatever it is, and just remember what it is that, whatever that song is that makes you feel good, find it, play it. Life will look better. I guarantee it. We're back to find out what John and Melissa have on their minds on Wisconsin's Afternoon News in just a moment. Please stick around.